Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to another episode of WA Exposé, a podcast about local arts by local artists. As always, I'm your host, Aria Scarlett, with the immense privilege of recording this podcast on Wajak Noongar Budja. Today's guest is a Perth drag darling who captivates and charms with her colourful, campy style. A three-time Crown of the Court finalist and the pop royalty runner-up of 2021, this proud female drag artist delights in embracing the silly and creating acts that are cheeky, quirky and unexpected. Today I'm speaking with Lash Lioness and glorious mess, Moxie Hart. How are you, Moxie? <laughs> I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. No, of course. This is incredibly <laughs> exciting. Um, obviously, very obviously, because of all the technology that's around us today. I know. I'm very, very <laughs> excited. Um, we'll jump right in with what's supposed to be my only question, but I'm a liar. So why drag? Why drag? Well, I actually started in theatre. That's um, what I had done for most of my life prior to the yeah. like last five years. <laughs> but then discovering drag really gave me a really great creative outlet to play with to play with music, to play with performance, to play with makeup and costume design and character. Cool. And yeah, it just opened up a really wonderful form of creative expression for me, as well as a wonderful like sense of community as well. Go on this little detour with me for a second. Like, what sort of theatre were you doing? Uh, I was mainly musical theatre. Oh, fine. Okay, <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah, list the community theatre productions. Let's go. <laughs> um, okay, so, well, my name is Moxie Hart. I have played Roxy Hart in Chicago before. So that was a big influence there. Awesome. I played Charity in Sweet Charity, Audrey in Little Shop of Horrors. I've done two productions of Kinky Boots. I have been in First Date. I'm currently rehearsing the SpongeBob musical. <laughs> this is chaos. The SpongeBob musical looks like the most like I'm going to call chaos magic on on SpongeBob the musical. Yeah, <laughs> like, right yeah. from the start. What's that experience been like for you so far? Yeah, so the SpongeBob musical uh, has got a number of different musical artists that have contributed to the composing. Mm. So there are songs I like by Aerosmith, Cindy Lauper, John Legend, okay. like Sarah Bareilles. Like there's. <laughs> It's a real mishmash, cool. yeah. But it's actually, it's really fun and, yeah, it's going to be performing at the end of next month. So. Yes, mm. super cool. So what was the transition from theatre to drag for you? So I actually, Cougar Morrison is one of my oldest, like, friends that I met through theatre together. Oh, and I was witnessing their journey in creating and discovering in drag. And so that was really my sort of first connection to the sort of drag scene by seeing what Cougar was creating and developing there like mm. that. Um, and so we'd met in the theatre world. Yeah. And then so I'd say that Cougar really helped me sort of discover the infinite possibilities and just the 
fun that could be had with drag kind of thing. Wow, your experience um, was really local from the get-go. That's pretty cool. Yes, yes. And then um, it was while I was doing another theatre production and I was carpooling with a friend uh, to rehearsal and he was a big Drag Race fan mm. and so we would talk about that a lot. And he would talk about this persona that he wanted to create. Yeah. This wonderful Viking drag queen. Cool. And we would talk about it in the car and then... I would sort of started creating my own life. As in, we would just talk about how the wonderful, fierce things that we would do if we were performing Oh, yes. Drag, you know? We'd never be drag queens, but if we were. That's right, yeah. if we were. And because he was talking about how he was going to go on ahead and do this and I was like, I wish I could do something mm. like that. Like, And he said, well, you know, you can. Why couldn't? Why can't you? Yeah. And I so I haven't really seen other people, like the sort of thing that I'm, wanting to do because I'm wanting to present really hyper-feminine, like campy, like yeah. drag and sort of the expectation of girls if you're doing drag and it's going to be like a king. Yeah. And he was like, anyone can do drag, you know? And so we were, uh, we actually made the vow that we would perform at Drag Factory before at the court ah. uh, before we were each going on overseas Projects. So he was yeah. moving to the UK and I was uh, going to New York to study acting. Oh my gosh. And okay, we'll dive there in a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we were like, okay, before we leave the country, we're going to do Drag Factory. And if it's if it's horrible, we, then we're going. Then gone. we pissed off and who cares? <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> it's okay, we're leaving. That's One it. last hurrah. We'll That's piss it. Off. If, I love if that. we humiliate ourselves, we'll just. We'll just disappear, you know. <laughs> yeah, we were we were going and, and watching Drag Factory, and you know, still wasn't it, there was. Then one week I was there, and I saw another female drag artist on stage, mm. and she was amazing. She did this amazing sort of like tap routine and stuff, and I was like, <gasps> you know, finally I see you. Yeah. Yeah. And I went up to her and I was like, oh my gosh, I love what you just did. Uh, let's be friends. I want to do what you're doing. Yeah. And she was like, that is so great. You should definitely do it. But I'm moving to Melbourne on Friday. So I was just like, ah, and that's Cryptica. She's ah, in, in, in Melbourne now. Yeah. But that was just that seeing someone else doing it, what you sort of have been feeling is it some, is can I do this, you know, and it's that visibility of seeing someone else that you go, hey, let's kind of, Let's do this. And before my friend and I left, we did do our first drag factory. And yeah, and it was then while I was away, I was just thought about it more. And when I was, when I came back to Perth, was I was feeling a lot more like, cool, this is something I want to mm, invest in yeah. creating. So that was a so long answer cool. to your question. That's <laughs> all podcasts are, is long answers to really short questions. I say why drag. I've said this before. My ideal version of this show is I go, why drag? And then I just leave and I don't come back <laughs> um, just to, like, hear somebody else talk for an hour and I'll just, like, go get a coffee or whatever and sure. I come back and they're still in the middle of, like, some great story. No, that's great. Like, yeah. That's great. Yeah, You're doing keep great, going, Keep going. I'm just going to go. I'm going to the shops. You want anything? Keep talking. You're doing great. So hang on. Then you went to New York, did you say? Mm -hmm. yeah. Why? What? Tell me. Well, I love performing and I did a summer intensive um, training program at the Neighbourhood Playhouse in Amazing. New York City. So that was an eight-week intensive of the Meisner acting technique and physical theatre, dance, voice. Yeah, it was uh, amazing. 
Okay, this is something you're not going to be able to do, but I'm going to challenge you to do it anyway. Uh, for people who don't know the Meisner acting technique, can you summarize it briefly? <laughs> Which is an insane thing for me to ask anybody because I'm like sitting there being like, I could never have done that with Stella Adler ever. But um, we're going to try. I'd say if you've, people have heard of the repetition mm-hmm. exercise, that's probably the most prominent thing. I know for us, we spend a lot of time doing the repetition exercise. So Meisner is really based in the acting is doing and it's the sort of the repetition exercise so much so that the the dialogue really isn't important. It's your truthful reaction to what's happening around you. Does yeah, that make sense? Like, is that, does that in so. line with your I understanding? Mean, <laughs> I think so. I'm probably wrong. My understanding is as a very, like, year 12 <laughs> level. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I totally think that, that it's that and also just, like, learning something to the point where you've got to find different ways to say it and you've got to find different ways to react to it because, like, when you're on stage, especially if you're doing, like, big runs of shows, nerves and, like, backstage jitters can only take you so far. Mm-hmm. By the time you're doing, like, your 58th production of something – you're like, I don't care, but this audience is new and they deserve something new from me. So you've got to like tap into something else. Yeah, it's purely um, like with the dialogue, you just have to know it, like mm-hmm. learn it so that the dialogue free of any uh, expression or like punctuation or emotion, you literally just have those words, the dialogue embedded in you so that however the, your other actor delivers something to you, Yeah your reaction with the dialogue will be as truthful to whether they've said it to you in an angry way, an accusatory way, a flat way, and so that the dialogue is just automatically there and you're responding, like, yeah, truthfully. So which, as you say, could be different depending on however your actor your other actors deliver yeah, to you. truly finding a way to be in the moment with something that can't be in the moment because it's written down. Yeah. Yeah, it's in, yeah. like, the past. So you can't be, can't be trying to remember what the lines are. They have to be basically just there. Yeah. Which... Is also I think that's process. an explanation. No one write in. I'm sure I googled it after the show. <laughs> I'm sure I yeah, figured out what I it was learn later. <laughs> <laughs> this is really an indictment on what you got taught at the school. <laughs> um, so hang on, you're in New York having this like super cool experience. I'm sure is the drag character and the performance. Is that like ticking away in the back of your mind, or did you just just throw it in the bin for while you were in New York? Oh no, it was definitely it was definitely still there, and I was getting to enjoy drag in a different space mm. as well. And sort of the the bars in New York, obviously there are just so many of them, yeah. which is, yeah. is great. And I got to do things like with Drag Race, they have like the live mm-hmm. the live like viewings the viewing in the party? bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Viewing, viewing parties. And so that they're actually like, it's when they're being broadcast for the first time. So they mm. have the huge, huge crowds. And I was, uh, it was season 10 when I was there. So I was in Aquaria. Yeah. One and she was a New York queen, so that was like <laughs> that a was lot like, of energy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I got to go to Pride in New York City, which was amazing. So yeah, it was definitely I was still experiencing it, thinking about what I would be wanting to do when I got home. That's actually really interesting you say it was season ten because even in problematic but trying to figure themselves out, like World of Drag Race. <laughs> Even at season 10, we hadn't had anybody who, like, represented you in terms of gender identity. Was that something you were fighting with or, like, since you'd seen great people locally, were you like, nah, fuck it, I'm here? (laughs) Yeah, I think I'd been really fortunate. I think I had done Drag Factory two or three times before I went overseas Mm -hmm. and that the welcoming and acceptance that I got from people from that was enough that I'd had a lot of sort of I guess, anxiety and stuff beforehand about Mm. 
doing something that didn't see a lot of in Perth at the time. But the encouragement from just that little bit of what I had done was enough that I was looking forward to coming back and being like, cool, I'm going to make this bigger and better and go from here. Great. So you came back. Did you just hit the ground running? Were you like, here we go, Boxy Heart, she's arrived. Like, what happened? Well, yeah, she did start as uh, Moxie Hart upon getting back because my original drag name was different. <laughs> Do you want to share? Yeah. Um, it was Ziggy Adrastia. What? <laughs> I love that name. Where did that name come from? Ziggy, uh, a little bit of like David Bowie mm-hmm. yeah, reference. And Adrastia was the name of like a Greek nymph that was like, I meant like mischief and like play. And, and uh, oh, yeah. I just had like some, some that I thought was really fun and I really liked the sound of it. People couldn't pronounce it. So <laughs> So people just call me Ziggy and, yeah. That's it, so Perth. That's so <laughs> Perth. We're so bad at that. Like, I'm not surprised that you would just be like, come into the stage, Ziggs, we're done. Ziggy, we're Ziggs, Ziggs, yeah. <laughs> and when I was away and thinking about more about what I wanted to create and that's and then Moxie Heart came from the reference to musical theatre, but mm-hmm. then Moxie also a word that means like courage and gutsy and bold and empowering, which is really what drag makes me feel. Yeah. So uh, I came back, kind of drag factory, and they're like, Ziggy, I'm like, I haven't, you know, when you go, (laughs) you're telling like Lexi that you've got a new, this is my drag name now. (laughs) I've got a new coming out story. It's this moment right here. Yeah, yeah. Um, And my, I remember my first drag factory back was also Justin Sider's first drag factory. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Again, I did a couple of drag factories and then, was encouraged to do Crown of the Court in 2018, in which I was had no idea what I was signing up for. <laughs> um, it's a huge competition. For people who don't know, is. can you like tell us a little bit about Crown of the Court and the behemoth of a challenge that it is? Yes, yeah, so it's an annual drag competition held at the court and it's an elimination-style competition that goes over a whole month, so four weeks, and you have different themes and challenges for each week, two per week, and uh, you're judged by a panel and uh, you get critiques and then they eliminate people. <laughs> All on one night. It's yes, a lot. Yeah. it's a lot. But it's a really great opportunity to like push your drag, mm. push you, also just showcase your drag and really learn and connect with others. Totally. Do you well. get like, I know that for the world it's like week by week, do you get more time to, like, come up with, like, costuming or anything like that? Like, do you know what the challenges for the entire competition are going to be preset? Not the entire competition. Uh, so okay. a, a month before is when you get the what they are going to reveal to you. <laughs> yes, yep. And you're going to be, oh, my God, I'm so surprised. Yep, of course. Yes. Yeah. So you know what some of the ones are so that you've got time to prepare. But then there are challenges along the way. Yeah, one category <laughs> yeah. was genre from a hat. So you're pulling that out a week before. Oh, crap. So yeah, you okay. pull it out and you're like, okay, I'm preparing a country act. All right. So, and you've got a week to do that. Where are the hats sold? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's also like a judge's choice. So mm-hmm. then they'll tell you that the week before based yeah. on what they've seen of you and what they would like to see from you. So, yeah, there are some elements that you, some acts that you can prepare for, but then they also love to have the cheeky like, it's a competition. <laughs> oh, off you go. Yeah. It's a real big difference from other competitions where it's like you've got everything's pre-planned so you have like a few months to like gather all of your supplies and like rehearse your backup dances <laughs> and stuff. How did you go week to week in that sort of process of having to create like costuming, choreography and all of that so quickly? So I've done Crown of the Court three times now. 
Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like gotten really close every single time. Yeah, yeah. I got to the end each time. Which yeah, which is amazing. Which is great. I'm really... Um, the consistency is there. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And I've just learned as much as you can organise as early as possible. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get things made or you're purchasing things, you know, get those bits sorted as early as you can. The costuming is really the hardest. Part. Yeah, yeah. In preparing that in advance. So, yeah, just being as well prepared as you can so that then when you get the unexpected things or the acts that you don't know in advance, yes, yeah. you can dedicate that next week to it because your other ones are kind of already in the in Yeah, the totally, yeah. yeah. And you've just got like a playlist in your car, which is those two songs on repeat. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, my yeah. <laughs> that is my phone. It's just like <laughs> so many drag tracks that have been like bashed on repeat and then just like suppressed. <laughs> You know? I love that. Okay, so has your like your drag? Would you say like it's gone through different evolutionary stages through like just like your short time competing? Yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, really, it's probably just stayed pretty constant. But I have tried to push myself into other things. More mm. Like when I started, I was very musical theater. Yeah. Um, very sort of character-driven stuff because it's the things that I like enjoy yeah. the most. But then I've been able to extend more into other sort of more dancey things mm-hmm. or more, yeah, different genres and things like that. Yeah. Like looks-wise, I'd say from when I came back from New York, I was <laughs> I was in New York doing like my makeup in my little like Airbnb and then going standing <laughs> on the rooftop of like this Astoria in Queens and just like <laughs> working on my drag makeup. Um, That's so good yeah. though. You're just being like, I've got a tiny tile as a bathroom mirror. Yes. I'm going to show the biggest eyes you've ever seen. Yeah, that's it. So that kind of makeup, I sort of the signature sort of moxie makeup is like there's sort of big eyes and big lashes mm. and and really I sort of always I had that. Like some people their makeup evolves quite a bit, but I sort yeah. of still have those kind of signature things. But I still do really enjoy playing with makeup and creating different looks and things. But then this, it just feels moxie when I when I do that. Yeah, because like you can take up like half of your face or then more with the eyelashes. <laughs> yeah. People need to Google or Insta right now because it's just like they're huge. <laughs> the bottom lashes are like all of the cheek. It's fantastic. Yeah, they're like painted on my face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just sort of like I'm not Literally. sticking them on. I'm actually going to paint these giant black lines and they're not tears. Yeah, these are the lashes <laughs> and you will know cry. the difference. <laughs> Well, I think um, on that note, we're going to go to a super quick break. When we come back, I'd love to talk to you about the local art scene as you've experienced it. Mm -hmm. Sure. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. 
and we are back. I'm still joined by the incredible Moxie Hart as I eye off your gorgeous t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a big fan. Is eyeball from something? I don't I don't think so. I think it's, it's just, just cool. part of the design, but yeah, thank you. I like it. <laughs> I think it's fun. All right. Um, that complete non sequitur. I always love doing a visual reference on an audio medium. I find it really, really good. <laughs> but people really love it when I go like, oh, I love your outfit. They're like, oh, I can't see it. So like, just imagine it. Except today, they can. <laughs> That's right. This is very true. <laughs> today, we can actually do the thing. All right. We're going to kick off because I have a really interesting question from one of our awesome listeners. And I reckon that you are the absolute perfect person to answer it. And then we can dive into more about Perth in general. But remember, everyone, if you want to ask one of our fantastic artists a question, you can email us, waexposepod at gmail.com. This one comes from Martha, she, her. WA Expose is my current fixation. I'm still binging eps, so you may have already touched on this, but do drag queens feel more comfortable in or out of drag? I know it's physically uncomfortable, but is the character a better or safer place to be? Thank you. What do you reckon? There's a lot in there, honestly. Yeah, but it's actually really relevant to me. <laughs> oh, so it's actually a great question. Great. Um, I mean, I mean, yes, I knew that. I did that on purpose. Yeah. No, I, I had no idea. <laughs> Tell me everything. I think I, I've mentioned how I've done a lot of theatre, and then drag was a place, really wonderful creative mm. outlet for me, and the character of Moxie has really helped me a lot with confidence in in myself, in my creativity, and it's a space that helps me feel really empowered in mm. myself and my performance and my ideas and things as well. So uh, in two, two years ago, I uh, was going to learn, launch my cabaret show, which was called You Got Moxie Kid, and it was a bit about my story and my journey. Oh, awesome. In, drag and how drag really helped me, yeah, creatively and with my confidence and things like that. And it got cancelled due to the COVID lockdowns, but I'm actually really excited to announce that I am relaunching it in Fringe 2023. Oh, my God, yay. Yeah. It's making a comeback. That's so cool. It's making a comeback and it's really very much about this question about where Helen and Moxie sort of meet and collide and how much Moxie has helped me as a person Mm. to feel more confident and empowered in me as a human and as a performer. That's so incredible, especially since like in your entirety background, it's been like theatre. So you've been doing character play for a really long time, Mm -hmm. just in like different spectrums. Yeah. And there's such a place where a character is where I feel confident and that I can go and create things. Mm. But then being like owning and finding that confidence just as me as well, you know? So I would say that, yes, like in drag was previously something that where I felt more comfortable and confident in myself and my creativity. But I'm really working hard on helping that same empowerment to hold it in me at other times, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. It definitely yeah. makes sense. So are you just like taking parts of Moxie into your everyday life? And how do you do that? <laughs> She's such a big character. Like how do you like, I will take this and this and you can come with me to school. Like what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. I think really just, as you mentioned before, doing theatre and you have a character. Mm. And so you have the safety net of the of the character. Totally, yeah. And then in drag, 
It's a persona that, again, you have that safety net as the persona. But then for me, if, you know, someone wants just Helen to come and sing at a event or mm. to present at something as just me and then feeling like, oh, am I enough just totally, like, as yeah. me and that to dress how I want or present what kind of thing that I want and being mm. like, Yes, because... And then, like, what's her style? And what does she want to wear to the show tonight? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But being like, no, that same confidence, that same performer, it's still you. Mm. And you can can hold that. I can hold that in me and that I don't have to have a persona or a character to feel safe in my empowerment and creativity, I guess. Totally. Yes, thank you for saying all of that because, like, I think so many different art forms have that like duality, and I, I mean, I'm ju- I'm just a, just a singer. I don't have like an entire drag persona that I put on, but I often talk about uh, Aria Scarlet versus Aria Del Corra and the fact that you don't actually want to meet Aria Scarlet, <laughs> like she's only allowed to exist on the physical stage and outside of the like n- nightmarish character, you don't want <laughs> you do not want to interact with her outside of that space. Yeah. So I love the idea of like cherry-picking these elements and going, okay, well, both of these people, characters, people, me, worthy, Mm -hmm. me, worthy, good. That's a sentence. (laughs) Yeah. So why am I feel confident to prance around in a dinosaur outfit and, like, reenact a Jurassic Park kitchen scene but (laughs) um, feel shy about being just Helen invited to sing at a function as myself? Mm. Like... <laughs> yeah, and, you know, like <laughs> I need some of that dino confidence to yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. In in like theory, the just go along and like have a good time and use your beautiful vocal talents should be easier. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you've got to tell me the title of the Friends show again. I've already forgotten. That's okay. I don't think I mentioned it, so that's all right. It's called You Got Moxie Kid, a quirky cabaret of silliness and self-discovery. And, yeah, I've mentioned a little bit here about it. It's just my sort of journey in from theatre into drag and the confidence and creativity that it gave me, but then also trying to transfer that in turn into my just everyday life mm. as me. Totally. Oh, I love that. I'm very excited. This wasn't going to become a plug, but it totally is. I'm ready to get tickets. I'm like here for it. And by the time this comes out, you'll be allowed to talk about it, which is like a whole whole other side of fringe. Yeah. Um, With all of this incredible knowledge that you have and your experience in both like theatre and like traditional stages, if I'm allowed to call them that, and like more alternative stages or more queer stages, drag Mm. stages, that sort of thing. What do you perceive the Perth art scene to be like at the moment? That's a big one, I know. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like in the five years since I just started doing drag that it has expanded a lot in regards to diversity Mm. and we are seeing so many different kinds of drag than we were before, which is really great. Mm. As I mentioned, when I first started, it was seeing somebody else that helped me feel like it was something that I could do. Yeah. And then it was important that I wanted to help contribute and motivate other people who maybe don't see themselves in the drag scene but would like to would like to try it. And now, you know, there are a lot more female drag artists. Yeah. We have drag kings. We have uh, non-binary artists. Um, a plethora of monsters too, which I think Pip um, recently called them on the pod as well, which isn't a great term for them. I love it. Yes, yeah. You know, we recently just had 
the first All Kings competition yeah. at uh, Cherry Bomb, like Kings of the Underground. Massive. Like that's that's amazing. That's really good. Yeah, and it's not the sort of like competition or even like environment that you would even think we had the numbers for a few years ago mm-hmm. in terms of like our representation of excellent kings. But yes. We were able to do an entire night of them. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. is really cool. It is so cool. It's like just it's really exciting. Um, is that happening on traditional stages? Like, so queer arts, we had to go, we had a pressure cooker moment. We were all told that we had to like get up and change things. And we've really started to make these really cool strides. But I don't know if that's happening on mainstream theatre stages as much. What do you think? I guess I can only speak to, do you mean like community theatre? Sort of? Oh, just like the the theatre world in general, like more traditional stages. Like I know that it hasn't happened, for example, on operatic or classical mm-hmm. music stages, but that's talking from like my experience of being on those stages and a part of that world. Yeah. I'd say that in the sort of professional and like touring sort of national productions on that bigger stage, moving towards more diversity and embracing different kinds of people and body types and backgrounds and things mm. like that. Here in Perth, that's on the community theatre stage, I think there can still be more for visibility yeah. and diversity in that space. Yeah, for sure. Um, what do you think we can do to actively assist in that? This is the big section. Mm. This is the bit where I just throw lots of crap at you and go, like, mm-hmm. fix all the problems in the next 10 minutes. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's more about, like, visibility. Well, I mean, like, if we go back to, like, your story of, like, having to see somebody to know that it was okay for you to be on those stages, yeah. we could expand that out and say that that's the same for all artist types mm-hmm. and, like, mm-hmm. all theatre representations. But sometimes it's also the pipeline that gets us to those, like, stages as well. What I mean by that is probably like more based in our institutions more than anything. Mm, so sometimes mm-hmm. I wonder that maybe we should change even like the audition process that makes you get into Whopper or NIDA mm-hmm. or whatever. Like you've got mm. to pay a fee, you've got to show up and do a thing and then you're told, <laughs> well, if you're me, you're told <laughs> that, you know, you can't work or have a job whilst you're at the institution, mm-hmm. um, which I understand from a t- standpoint of like you're taking on a lot for the years that you're there. But straight away, you've made that really inaccessible to a lot of people. Mm, like a lot mm-hmm. of lower income households can't meet that demand, especially if families have like more than one kid. It's yeah. a lot to ask anybody to be like, hey, <laughs> you're adult child kind of a job for the next four odd years. So I don't know. I guess I'm really asking for your experience just on like that side of things too. Like is it do we have to go way, way in the way, way back machine and go like where do things begin? <laughs> You don't have to know, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) You don't have to know. (laughs) I don't know. But, yeah, like you say, starting at the kind of the root of, Mm. yeah, I don't know. You don't have to know. know. I mean, um, what was your experience in New York? Was it more open to more people, do you think, when you were doing that summer intensive? Or Mm -hmm. was it still... For want of a better term, was it just like a room full of like thin white people, cis people doing a course for a summer? Fortunately, no, it wasn't. It was it was a really broad range of ages from like nineteen to like mid forties, and from all over the world and That's all great. different backgrounds and shapes and ambitions. And with some people doing it for fun, other people as part of a you know yeah professional a pro- development yeah, yeah. A, a serious step in towards their profession but of course it did still like cost money and it's in mm. it's in New York City so there's <laughs> yes, you know there were some barriers there's on still like there. barriers there but <laughs> fortunately it was 
yeah, a really diverse environment. And then from our teachers as well. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, I guess we need to probably go back and see how we can implement the things that we've picked up globally and implement them locally too. Mm-hmm. Like that could be one of the million answers <laughs> to <Yeah>. that. <laughs> Did you go through like institutionalised learning, tradi- like traditional structures of acting schools and stuff? Not in Australia. Mm-hmm. I did I did audition for schools in the past, like like mainly when I was sort of straight out of yeah. high school and they're very much with the going have your life experience kind of thing. <laughs> yes, um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and I went on and um, did teaching. So I say so teaching at uni and that was going to be my backup career. But yeah. then, yeah, <laughs> it's my... <laughs> Uh, so, so my day job still now is a, is a teacher. Yeah. But then there is, I guess, that kind of validation of a training institution as well. Mm. And sometimes when you don't have it, you can almost feel like you're, you know, you're not worthy of those big opportunities because you don't have those big names on your yeah. CV. Yeah. And for me, pursuing this opportunity to study in New York was kind of like my way of also Investing in something that I love, and but also just I saw a bit of a validation as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I can totally see that. Like if we put so much clout behind these words that honestly just like, for real, everyone don't go, this just put you in a lot of debt for like the rest of your life for fun, then I guess we really push down people who can't afford those opportunities or like for whatever reason can't participate in that system, which again is, is an elitist structure barrier that stops a lot of people from pursuing the arts. Yeah. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Get really mad. Yeah. 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 It's like uh, your worth is dependent on what institution you went to or what mm. sort of training that you had. And I was someone who performed in some capacity like my whole life, but yeah. hadn't been to a training institution. Mm. And, but it was something that I was always asked and about that almost like, am I still, you know, I'm, I'm still a, worthy performer. Hell yeah. Like, oh my God, hell yeah. <laughs> and, yes. and that there's a couple of prongs to the New York trip because part of it was like, well, you know, you know, sort of the feeling that like, okay, if I'm missing out on by not having mm. like professional yeah. training and things like that. This like ticked a lot of boxes for you, not just like the incredible training that I'm sure it was and I'm mm-hmm. sure it was all of the things mm-hmm. that it said it was going to be. But then when people go like, well, where did you study? What did you train? Blah, blah, blah. That like snooty sort of shrouded in elitist question we had asked. You go, well, I did the Meisner Institute in New York. Now, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Let me sing my songs about dinosaurs. How dare you? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot that we need to like unpack there, I think, that like, I don't think that the two of us probably have, like, the time for all the expertise to do, <laughs> in all fairness. But, but yeah, yeah, there's definitely a pipeline there. And, and I often wonder, like, how can we say, how can we ask questions like that? How can we expect people to have spent, like, thousands of dollars on an education system that, like, doesn't prepare them for what it is like to be a full-time artist whilst also being like, art is for everyone and everyone can do it. Big smiles. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> we've mm. got quite a, there's quite a big gap between those two ideals. Yeah. Interesting how we were talking and that kind of popped out of nowhere, but it's very relevant yeah, to our WA yeah. community yeah. with and it, it, institutions deciding your worth or... Yeah. Not deciding. That's the wrong word. Validating? Validating, Maybe. Um, I don't know. We can be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, also, if you put it in the perspective of like where Australia has been sitting for the last 10 years, re-looked at what because the Liberal government didn't actually think that the arts were a worthy pursuit. Shocker, everybody. um, (laughs) Shocking. We haven't re-looked at, I believe it's like this five or six fundamentals of like the Australian arts and what we will and won't put our time and energy into. And over the last 10 years, the terminology that's written out in that document has become really, really um, outdated, for want of a better term. But one of the big things that it highlights is how important institutions are. So that could still just be a hangover from that. And in 2023, what's really exciting, everybody look it up. I will put it in the show notes. I will find it and put it in the show notes. But everyone is allowed to submit for how they would like the language changed in that document. Um, You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to, like, be able to talk all fancy. Mm -hmm. You can write it out in dot points. But, yeah, these pillars are looking at being changed next year and everyone is allowed to be a part of that change, Mm. which is, like, a super positive thing finally (laughs) after 10 years of, like, no one looking at this, like, part of it that really does highlight. um, I think one of the things is, like, I'm going to get the words fully wrong. It's like institutions, put all the money in the institutions. They're great. Uh, It's not that. (laughs) That's not how it's written. But Mm. basically like puts a lot of clout in institutions. So maybe this is our chance to start rewriting some of that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will put Mm. it in the show notes for people if they want to check it out. Yeah. It could be pretty cool. Or not. That was a tangent. I go on. My apologies. <laughs> That's something I do a lot. But <laughs> on our tangents of nonsenseness, we have actually come to the end of WA Expose. So what are your pluggables besides this amazing show you're working on? <laughs> yeah, that is the main thing for me in the pipeline at the moment, preparing for Fringe and the revival of You Got Moxie Kid. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's really exciting. And it's as me as storytelling and live singing, which you don't get an opportunity to really do on the sort of traditional like drag stage. Yes, oh, my God, I could go on about it forever. It's like I, mm. I love like the two and a half queer venues that we have here, but their capacity for live sound is not it. That is, that is <laughs> correct. <laughs> so this is going to be really cool. What's um, your social media handles so we can start following and getting all the lowdown on this process? Yeah, it is Moxie Heart with an underscore <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. That's it. Great. I love it. <laughs> Instagram. That's it. You mean you're not dancing on the tickety talks? Oh, I sound so I actually, old when I, I do, say tickety I do have a, yeah, I do have a TikTok that has like six videos. <laughs> I love that. They take me so long to make. Yeah, I don't, How do people just churn them out? I don't know. I make one I and it takes know. me, the video is like 15 seconds, but it takes me two hours. Like, yeah. And then I go, I hate this. And then like I upload it and the lip sync doesn't sync. And I go, well, like, I'm just giving up. And I throw the whole thing in the bin. I just have my phone out. I get a new phone. Yeah. So I, yeah, uh, I do have an account on TikTok, but be kind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be kind. Start a school of TikTok and we will all go and attend. Yeah. Um, Well, as always, everyone, if you like this podcast, you can like us on social media, rate and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app, or send us a question to waexposepod at gmail.com and we'll ask our next incredible guest. Thank you so much, Moxie Hart, for joining me. This conversation has been super interesting. Thanks for having me. WA Expose is an independent production. Our artwork was created by Georgia Sassenfeld and our theme music is Corrosive by Aria Scarlett and M. Burrows. You can find out more about the podcast or live shows at ariascarlett.com forward slash WA expose. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.